you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? Because, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. As I indicated before reading this, this is in the midst of, this is in the middle of what we call the upper room discourse. Now, it begins in the upper room, but they've already left the upper room. They are actually trekking to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will be praying, well, they they will be sleeping while Jesus is praying, and then Jesus will be arrested and taken to for trial crucifixion, resurrection, and he is saying things to them they don't want to hear. They were shocked at the very beginning when Jesus washed their feet and then said to them, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And I would dare say the, probably all of them, because they're all stout, fast, steadfast Jews, what are you talking about? That's not a new commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, I've given you a new commandment that you should love one another. Oh, as I have loved you, that you should love one another. Ooh. Yes, okay, he raised the bar. And then he goes on and tells them what is coming. He tells them what is coming. And he has given them the narrative about that I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. 
abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide. And he repeats that word over and over and over. Have I made my point? Is what Jesus, have I made my point? I'm saying this so you won't forget it. And that's something, by the way, that a good teacher, a good professor does, is he is repetitious so that you not just can remember, but you can't forget what was said. And so Jesus repeats himself, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. But by the way, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And they don't want to hear that. Have you ever heard a message from someone that was so repulsive, that was so alien to what you wanted, that you just plugged your ears, I didn't hear that, I didn't hear that, I didn't hear that. That's what they've been doing. Ever since Peter had confessed, you are, on behalf of all the apostles, we believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, good. You are Petras, that fist-sized stone. And on this Petra, feminine form of the same word, this rock at Gibraltar-sized stone, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Oh, by the way, the Son of Man, Messiah, is going to be arrested, tried, crucified, and then on the third day rise from the dead. And Peter goes to him and says, Not so, Lord! This is immediately after his confession. Immediately after Jesus has said, Good one, Peter. Not so, Lord. That's not the plan. Get behind me, Satan. For you do not savor the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. <laughs> he goes from good one, Peter, to get behind me, Satan. And he repeatedly tells them that. And yet, when it happened, what had they been doing every time he said that to them? This is what's going to happen. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. And then when it happened, what were they doing? They were hiding. And when word came to them from the women who had gone to the tomb, the tomb is empty. But we saw an angel who told us that he's raised... And what? What are you talking about? And if you've read the gospel narrative, how can they be that distant from what they heard over and over and over again? Because they hadn't wanted to hear it. And now, this is that same time period. They are just before his... They are on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus is telling them, I'm going to be gone for a little while and you're going to be sad. The world's going to rejoice. You're going to be sad. But be of good cheer because you're going to be rejoicing. You're going to be rejoicing. And then I'm going to be taken away from you. And, I'm going to, and, and there, this was not the plan. This is what we signed up for. Well, that's the way it's going to be. By the way, it all leads to kingdom glory. The close of chapter 15, I'm going to tell you about the one who's going to come alongside of you. By the way, the word translated here, helper, in the original King James, is he's, it's called comforter, and it's paraclete, the one who comes alongside, parallel who comes alongside of you to strengthen you. 
But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. God the Holy Spirit, who will be able to go with them everywhere around this world because they are going to carry the gospel to India, they're going to carry the gospel to Ukraine, they're going to carry the gospel. These 11 of the 12 that are still there, Judas is left, they're going to take the gospel, of course, so will their disciples, so will the other disciples of Jesus, and the helper will go with you. He proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The helper will go with you. The helper will go with you, whom I shall send from the Father, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth. How true is our Bible? What does Jesus say about God's word Every bit of God's word is true, right down to what does Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Right, do not believe that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I came not to destroy it, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth is passed away, not one jot, yod, which is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet, nor tittle, the smallest piece of a letter that has meaning in the Hebrew letter uh, letters. Every bit of it will be there until it is all fulfilled. Jesus is saying that of the Hebrew Scriptures, but it is also true of what will yet be penned. The Spirit of Truth who governed the pens of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Moses, and all those others, authors of what we call the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, that same God, the Holy Spirit, will be governing your pens, will be governing your speech when you're speaking to people, when you're penning his word, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. You can all recite the New Testament, right? Okay, every bit of that, right down to the spelling, is governed by the Holy Spirit, and it is all unrestrained, undiluted truth. And he proceeds from the Father. I have told you, that he who proceeds from the Father will testify of me. What is the subject? God the Holy Spirit governed penning of who is the principal subject? Jesus of Nazareth himself. He will testify of me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These men had a special role. They had been with Jesus from the beginning, the author of this gospel, John the Apostle, was a disciple of John the Baptist. John and Andrew are in the presence of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist, this is in John chapter 1, he points at Jesus and said, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John and Andrew, why were they disciples of John the Baptist? Because he is the herald, the forerunner of the Messiah, and he has just said, well, there's the Messiah, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the... Well, let's go and follow him. John the Baptist was not offended by that, by the way. He loved it. And they started following Jesus. They had been with Jesus from the beginning, so they could say, I saw, I heard, I touched, 
I am an authentic witness whose testimony would be accepted in a human court of law. I am a witness in the fullest sense. You also will be will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. You will be able to say, I heard it, I saw it. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. I'm telling you about the rough road you're going to be traveling so that you won't stumble on that rough road. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. You will be persecuted by the Jewish religious leadership. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. James, the brother of this gospel, John. James, the brother of John. In the book of Acts, his martyrdom is described. Herod had him put to death. Then, of course, they arrested Peter. Hey, that got me a lot of favor. I think I'll do the same thing to Peter. They arrested Peter, put him in a dungeon. And uh, God said, no, that's not going to happen. And an angel appeared and walked Peter out of the jail, (laughs) much to the shock of the Christians who were praying for his release. (laughs) They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. And he was the tip of the spear of the persecution of the church until Jesus' face planted him in the dirt in the, street, in the road outside Damascus. And he, if you asked him, why are you doing this? Well, I'm serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was what was in his head. At least that's the excuse he was giving to himself. The time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service, and these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. And this is repetitious of the Gospel of John. The religious leaders in Israel don't know God. They worship their own self-righteousness. They do claim to believe in the holy God of Abraham, but they think that their measure of human holiness is just a delight, a delight to the true and living God, who is the holy God. And when I came, when I, Jesus, came and confronted them about their insanity and pointed out to them, in fact, their wickedness, they didn't repent. Now, I back off. Some of them did. Nicodemus did. Joseph of Arimathea, into whose tomb Nicodemus and Joseph placed Jesus' body into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And there were other members of the Sanhedrin who did, but except they kept, they kept it quiet. They kept it quiet because they didn't want to lose their status in the, in the culture. And these things they will do to you because they have not known me known the Father, nor me. 
But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. No surprise, no surprise, this persecution. We were warned of it by Jesus. That you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Well, who was bearing all the brunt of the persecution up to this point? Jesus was. They were there witnessing it, but the one receiving the force of the persecution of the Jewish religious leaders was Jesus. But now he's about to leave, and they will be receiving the brunt of the persecution. So he's alerting them to that reality that they're about to step into. But now I go away to him who sent me, I go away to the Father, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Why aren't they asking? Because they don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear the fact that you're leaving. So I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. Have you ever done that before? When somebody told you, gave you, told you something so unpleasant, you didn't want to, I didn't hear that. I'm going to pretend that was never said. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. You're not acknowledging it, but your sorrow is dwelling in your heart because you have heard it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. The helper, the helper. God the Holy Spirit will come to you and he will go with you. He will indwell you. He will be your energy, your strength, your guide. All the reality of who God is will be dwelling within you. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What is the number one message God the Holy Spirit is is communicating to the world? The core of his message is about Jesus of Nazareth, God come in the flesh, and what Jesus of Nazareth has accomplished for the entire human race when he went to the cross. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This issue of the guilt, (coughs) excuse me, the issue of the guilt of our sin has been completely addressed by what Jesus did on the cross. Therefore, the only sin that brings condemnation to a human being is unbelief in Christ. The only sin that results in people going to the lake of fire is the sin of not putting their trust in Christ. The scripture says God commands all men everywhere to repent. Change your outlook. Change your orientation. Repent. Repent. What did John the Baptist say? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. As Jesus began his public ministry, he echoed what John the Baptist had been saying. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your outlook. Change your orientation. 
the Pharisaical orientation and the orientation, frankly, of the entire human race is it's all about their performance. And God says, no, it will be about your performance if you reject my son, and that will lead you to the lake of fire. You don't want it to be about your performance. Avoid this sin, unbelief in my son, and I will welcome you with open arms into my, my presence. The Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me. Nobody goes to the lake of fire because they robbed a bank. Nobody goes to the lake of fire because they murdered someone. There will be forgiven murderers, thieves, adulterers, in heaven. But they will be murderers, thieves, adulterers who were forgiven because of, and what freed God the Father to forgive is that his son already paid sin's penalty for them on the cross. He already took all of the lake of fire they deserve while on the cross so that his Holy Father has perfect freedom to forgive. And so what's the one sin that ushers people into the lake of fire? Unbelief in Christ. The refusal to abandon their own righteousness in favor of what of God's mercy worked out for them on the cross. And of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. How much righteousness is required to be welcomed by the holy God? The, only the perfect righteousness of God's Son, Jesus of Nazareth, God become flesh. What does God the Father say of God the Son? Walking this earth in his full humanity, in the presence of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had just baptized Jesus, and he witnessed the Holy Spirit come upon Jesus in the form of a dove and light upon him. By the way, that is when Jesus, my opinion, became the Christ, the Messiah. What does Messiah mean? Anointed one. Anointed not by oil, anointed by the Holy Spirit. And here is this emblem of the Holy Spirit that lights upon Jesus. And from heaven came a voice, John the Baptist said, that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I think I can say with confidence that none of us have ever had that statement made about us from heaven. <laughs> Speaking for myself, that's never been, God never said that about me, but he said it about Jesus of Nazareth, God come in the flesh. You better have Jesus' righteousness attached to your account. One of the things I love is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He paid sin's penalty. He wiped the slate clean. He removed all the guilt of our sin, but he didn't leave the slate blank. He wrote on the slate the righteousness of Christ. We step into the presence of the holy God as if we were the ones that he could authentically say, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. The pleasure that he took in his son, what pleased him about the son has been attached to our account. 
you better have Jesus' righteousness attached to your account. He will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. That's the sin that is the condemning sin. Of righteousness because I go to the Father. I have a welcome with God based on my performance. And if you want to have a welcome with God based on performance, it better be my performance. (laughs) attached to your account, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. There is a consequence to rebellion against God. It's called the lake of fire. By the way, it's very interesting. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, speaking of the lake of fire, says the lake of fire was created for the devil and his angels. The lake of fire was not created for the human race. Was created for the devil and his angels. But if you reject God's mercy, if you reject God's grace, if you reject the forgiveness available to you based on what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross, there is a consequence. When God judges you according to your own righteousness, what's the consequence? You join Lucifer and the other fallen angels in the lake of fire. That was not created with the intention that that be your destination. But if you choose that default, go for it. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. There is a hell to flee. There is a hell to flee, and it's eternal. The very last three verses of the prophet Isaiah Speaking of the eternal reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain, speaking to righteous Israel. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth, And look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. And indeed the book of Revelation confirms what Isaiah says here. That the lake of fire will actually be outside the New Jerusalem. And the people walking in and out of the New Jerusalem. We will walk by the lake of fire. And I can remember the first time I read that passage as a teenager, I drew back in absolute horror. Why would I want to do that? Well, the fact is, ladies and gentlemen, we have a God who is holy and just. He cannot be unjust. We will actually be seeing the justice of God measured out to people, and it will not be an offense. But there is a hell to avoid. There is a hell to flee. And coming to faith in Jesus Christ in order to not go to hell is a really good (laughs) reason. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. 
I have an eternal welcome with him and am welcome to his presence of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And you don't want to join him in that. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, the spirit of truth, every word is true. He is the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Now in my Bible, that word authority is in italics, meaning it's supplied by the translators. He will not speak on his own. Authority. Initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He will be told what to say. And he will say it to you apostles, to your companions, and you will, your pens will be governed, or the ones as we're going to, in probably in next week or two when we complete the book of Romans, we're going to find, you know what? Paul was actually speaking. He had a guy writing, a secretary writing what he was saying. <laughs> God the Holy Spirit will be the governor of the entire message right down to the jot and tittle, right down to the spelling. It's going to be accurate. It's going to be the truth, undiluted truth. He will glorify, he will, he will guide you into all truth. And they had a lot to learn. In fact, I love the fact at the close of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter's saying, you know, I've been reading this, these epistles of Paul. These are really fascinating. I'm not sure I can get my mind wrapped around everything he's saying. That's Peter talking about Paul saying, hey, wow, this is amazing stuff. It's true. But I'm stretching my mind to get around. But what Paul had written was governed by the Holy Spirit. Peter isn't disputing it. But he's saying, hey, and they had a lot to learn. God is actually, upon the day of Pentecost, going to change the, a lot of the terms of how ministry would be done in the world. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority or his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. It'll be heaven's truth, and he will tell you things to come. Oh, that's the book of Revelation. Things to come. That's the prophetic words that are found in other places in the Scripture. But principally, well, how does the book of Revelation? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave... I'm quoting Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, Jesus, to, sh to communicate to his servant, John. That's why it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, because its, its origin is Jesus. But God the Holy Spirit is governing the whole movement from, from Jesus into John and to the penning, and, the, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, of the triunity, the third person is 
the servant of servants. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says a very interesting thing. He says, you can blaspheme the Father and be forgiven. You can blaspheme the Son and you can be forgiven. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you will not be forgiven. Now, why would God the Father permit forgiveness of those who have blasphemed him? Why would God the Son permit forgiveness of those who have blasphemed him, but they will not permit forgiveness of those who have blasphemed God the Holy Spirit? I'm making a suggestion. Because God the Holy Spirit is of the triunity. He is the servant, servant, servant. And God the Father and God the Son are very jealous of his reputation and you can offend, you can blaspheme me, and I'll forgive you. You can blaspheme the Son, I'll forgive you. But you blaspheme God, the Holy Spirit, and that is you've gone, way, you've gone too far. You're done. You will not be forgiven. And this is the God, the Holy Spirit, who dwells within us, who is, who is the energizer of God's work in this world right now. Don't blaspheme God, the Holy Spirit. Do not turn away from His Word. And when people speak against God's word and deny God's word, they are in fact denying the work of God, the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has our mind. I'm about to step into my inheritance. The most famous verse in the New Testament, John 3.16, the words of Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That term only begotten son means the full heir the full heir of the entire estate. That's what only begotten son meant in that culture. And Jesus is about to step into his inheritance. Matthew 28, he, upon the, after his resurrection, before he ascends into heaven, he says to the apostles, all authority, all power, and heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has stepped at that point. He has stepped into his inheritance. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. And I will be with you even to the end of the age. He will glorify me for you will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. All of heaven's resources available to me, nothing withheld. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. You're, going, you're stepping into a very treacherous, very dangerous role, but I will be with you. And I, the helper will come and he will indwell you. He will strengthen you. He will guide you. He will give you all the message, all the understanding that you need to walk in this dangerous environment according to my shepherding ability. I will be your protector. I will be your defender. I will be your guide.
and God the Holy Spirit will dwell within you to carry out that work within you. Any comments or questions? Our Lord, we do live in a dangerous environment. We prayed earlier for the persecution that is ramped up in Afghanistan. Persecution around this world is is intensifying. Even in the United States of America, those who are loyal to Jesus are being separated out, they're being singled out, they're receiving persecution. Not yet at the intensity level that we see on other, in other parts of the world, but it's on its way. We ask that you would enable us to take heed to what you've said to us here and understand that our entire life experience is governed and guided by you. To your, our usefulness and to your glory. We ask that you would enable us to walk in this truth, all to your praise. In your name, King Jesus, we pray. Amen.